We've heard the term cancel culture a lot in recent months, and it's a relatively new phrase, but the idea has been around for a long time. When an unpopular statement or opinion results in drastic efforts to silence someone or to vanish them or to punish that offending party, that's an example of cancel culture. Uh, this canceling often goes beyond just condemning the offensive behavior. It goes beyond just choosing not to support that person. No, instead it frequently extends to demanding that that person be fired from their job or be disassociated from their peers or that they be silenced or banished from the public view entirely. You know, there's lots of problems with this. But perhaps the most troubling aspect of our modern cancel culture is that it leaves little to no room for forgiveness or redemption. In 21st century America, if you get canceled, that cancellation is effectively permanent. And that applies even if the offense was committed long, long ago, and the person's life has since then reflected a change perspective and repentance and remorse. No, 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 no. Only kowtowing to the whims of the angry mob can restore some of the shame party status. In John the 8th chapter, in verses 3 through 11, we read about Jesus encountering a woman who was ready to be canceled by the culture of her time. The angry mob on this occasion was the Pharisees, as they brought a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery to Jesus to see what he would say. And in many ways, this was also an attempt to cancel Jesus by trying to trap him in his words and then creating a public outcry. Of course, you know how the story goes. Jesus refuses to join that mob and then famously utters that statement, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. You know, when I read that account, there's just something remarkable about Jesus' example. And I think it actually shows us at least three things that we need to do toward those who our society would quickly and readily cancel. First and foremost, Jesus asked questions. In verse 10, that's what he does when he talks to the woman. He asks questions. And those questions were designed to get to the bottom of the situation instead of just making hasty, blind, rash assumptions. Which then leads to Jesus being able to do the second thing in verse 11, and that is to listen. In fact, to listen empathetically. I believe it's true that Jesus was curious about the state of this woman's heart. Jesus, of course, knows everything but he wanted to hear her express what was on her heart, and so he listened with genuine interest. That's important. doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of listening going on these days. And when Jesus asked those questions and when Jesus listened empathetically, that then led to him being able to do the third thing, and that is to respond with mercy. You know, Jesus had every right in the world to condemn that woman, to condemn her eternally for her sins. But of course, it is forgiveness that is the very reason that Jesus came to this earth. And so he extends mercy and he gives this woman a second chance. How desperately is that needed in our day and time? You know, as Christians, living like Jesus in the middle of a cancel culture, that is not easy. Our tendency is to either go along with the mob or maybe what we do is we look around and we find someone that we can cancel in retaliation. Neither of those are good responses. The next time you're tempted to join the fray of canceling people into oblivion, stop and remember, 
that Jesus did just the opposite for you. And then make it a point to ask questions and listen empathetically so that you can respond with mercy.